following Tila Y episode is a throwback interview that I did in the past. This will now be formatted as a podcast episode. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, were there ever like any inspirations from there that made you want to pursue like pursue more music? So, um, beginning stages, um, I've been rapping since I was in fourth grade, and so the first um, song that I actually like freestyled to or did like a song to was Young Jeezy's um, Standing Ovation. And so I was in the fourth grade and um, me and my friend, we entered the talent show and we made like, you know, our raps off of that song. So I always credit that song to kind of like the genesis of, um, you know, who I am as an artist. Fast forward, you know, once I get into middle school, that's when Soldier Boy started becoming the thing. And so, you know, just seeing how he was able to tap into the music wave off the internet, um, that inspired me. You know, I was young, so I was like, you know, hip to all his music at that time. I'm super heavy. Um, so I made a diss song from my teacher off of Birdwalk beat. And that was like the first song that kind of went viral, like to me. Um, all the kids in like the school knew the song and talked about it. And so um, it was the worst whooping of my life that I got because I got in trouble but at the end of the day like he's still like kind of spearheaded like my love to like make music and like share it and so as far as the two like you know songs or like acts that really like inspired that you had you, um, Young GSB and Soldier Boy but there's a lot of acts that you know indirectly or directly inspired me like Andre 2000 of course he's like you know the staple head of Atlanta music I mean Outkast um, you still have like peach, people like Gucci who, you know, kind of intertwine that like, you know, street um, music with like the production and just the quality or I mean the quantity that he was um, pushing out music at that time. And then like local acts that we have here like Jot Beats or Michael Aristotle, um, they were like very like pivotal people inside my um, process of being an artist myself. True, true. I know what you mean, man. And I think like with Atlanta too, like... The scene, it is, like, very popular, too, nowadays. It's, like, the mecca of music, especially black music and hip-hop and, like, R&B and everything else. Like, almost, like, everyone who's charting right now is from Atlanta. And even to speak about the music scene in Atlanta for a bit, like, what makes the city such a place of unity and black excellence when it comes to music and other parts of the culture? Because, like, right now, Atlanta is, like, winning right now, and you see Atlanta artists, like, working with Atlanta artists, like, with no problems, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I think that that really comes first and foremost off of the, produ um, the producers. So, um, you, we wouldn't be, you know, the artists that we are if we didn't have just the ample amount of, like, producers inside our, a city that really kind of shaped the, the music scene when it comes to um, just the sound of music, like, that's going on in hip-hop, R&B, like you said from the 808 drums. Um, of course, we were the pioneers of like trap music or whatever, or we popularized trap music with T.I. and Gucci. I wouldn't say we were the actual first ones to do it. That probably came from, you know, like Memphis and Three Sits and people of that nature. But as far as coining the term trap music, we, we started that. So um, with that, you know, that kind of spilled into everybody just trying to create that sound and tie into that sound. So from us making trap music, you know, it made us, um, it made us kind of hone in on that sound because only we knew the elements that really like made the sound like hit. 
Um, in Atlanta, it's a huge car culture as well. So a lot of times artists or producers make um, songs for their cars or whatever because we have like, you know, the trick out cars or at least back in like the 2000s, that's what was really big. And so that kind of further like played into the sound sonic aspect of how people created their, their music um, strictly for their cars. And then once like, you know, that came in, we had melody of all of that nature. So as far as the sound goes, that's what started that. But um, for the music scene and the artists, um, it really just, I don't know how it kind of happened, but Atlanta is, though it's seen as this big city, is really super small. And so everybody knows somebody, you know, who is either famous or like makes music in a sense. And so um, because we were able to pioneer that music as far as Gucci and, and Jeezy and, and Thug and Migos and all these people, then, you know, we started booming in that industry where it was inspirational for, like, um, kids like me and other kids growing up to, like, strive to do music. And so that's where you get this influx of people who are artists. And so, um, though, in our minds, it seems super saturated because literally everybody is a rapper and everybody, like, makes music, it's still crazy because nobody really sounds the same in the real underground scene. Like the popular scene, as far as the young thugs and the Migos and the little babies, like they might kind of have like similar, like you know, sounds and stuff like that, the gunners or whatever. But um, they even still have their little uniqueness about them that makes them them. Um, but as far as the, the new wave that's about to come up, my scene, um, there's so many artists. You've got like Kenny Mason, you got Deontay Hitchcock, you got um, the letter M, you got David the Tragic. You have Jock Beach, you have Michael Aristotle, Beauregard. So it's just so many different artists that look and sound completely different from each other. And so that's what makes it easy for us to coexist because nobody's really running the same lane um, all the way. True, true. I know what you mean, man. And I think, like, I, you know, with Childish Gambino, too, um, I feel like he is, like, a very big aspect in the whole change of the Atlanta sound because coming from a person who's from, like, Stony Creek... Well, from Stony Mountain, not Stony Creek, uh, because we have, yeah. Like, you notice that he's, like, the differential norm between what's Atlanta and what's, like, different. So, I feel like he did impact, like, a lot of people, like, in that sense, too. And, like, that's just kind of, like, my opinion, too. So, I think, like, he did kind of change the sound in a way as well, you know? Definitely. And, you know, because, like... Childish Gambino is from the same area as, like, Gucci and, like, you know, um, Future and all of these people. It's like, we call it the east side of Atlanta. And so he literally went to school or it was in the same area. So it just shows the, the dynamicness of Atlanta where you can have artists like Gucci and Future, but then still have a Childish Gambino who are on two different spectrums of music, but they still have the same experiences. Um, and so... Like you said, like he was very pivotal to show that you don't just have to have one sound of music because, again, I think that there's like a, a negative connotation that all artists in Atlanta sound like, you know, Future or Amigos or, or Thug or whatever, and that's not the case. Like we have, have a lot of lyricists, we have a lot of artistic um, artists as well, and um, they're going to get their shine, you know, in the same light in due time, but it's just about how that pendulum swing it goes from you know, conscious to, like, you know, street to, like, you know, weird to whatever every single, like, you know, year and five years, really. True, true. And, I mean, just going back to your life and 
your process in becoming a, a musician, you know? Like, did you have, like, a musical history and a background uh, in which it inspired you to become a rapper and musician? Like, was there, like, an inspiration beyond your choice on what you want to become? Um, it really just came down to just exposure from, like, my own personal family. Like, I don't have any musicians in my family, but um, as far as, like, my parents, they would play different things growing up that really stuck with me. Uh, my mom was very, like, melody-based, so, like, she played a lot of R&B and Neo Soul, so I would hear, like, Lauryn Hill, Jill Scott, I would hear, um, you know, um, Floetry, and all of these different, like, artists, while she's still, you know, kind of tied in, like, hip-hop and stuff, but she was really big on, like, the more melodic um, artists. Um, my dad is a super, like, rap, like, head, so he liked people like Tupac, he liked Jay-Z, um, and those artists, so I would hear that when I was with him as well. Um, so it was just a, a nice blend that I was hearing, like, coming up with, like, different artists and different, like, musicians um, that inspired the people around me family-wise. True, true. And, um, you know, like, when I was listening to your pray, your Just Pray For Me album, like, I could tell, like, the whole process, it's just, like, an introduction into, like, how you are now. Like, that was like, kind of, like, the only project I've listened to, but, like, I am going to get into the other projects like, later on, so, but, like, just to speak on your album, Just Pray For Me, tell me about the creative process in that project, and what inspired you to make it. Okay, so, um, this, like, path that I've been taking visibly, you know, to, like, the public in Atlanta has been, like, four years, right, and so, four or five years, I would say, and so, beginning off, um, in those stages, I had, a, my first album is called Real Men Wear Pink. And so the Real Men Wear Pink album was more so of just, like, all the bops and all of the different, like, you know, songs that I felt like people would like. So I have the song for the guy, song for the girl, song for to make you dance, song to make you party and stuff like that because I was trying to reach a demographic with that um, actual album. It came out in 2017. But in the back of my mind, while I was actually creating that album, I always had the, the concept of Just Pray For Me because... Um, just Pray For Me, like, the nuclei of the album kind of started with the No More Parties in Atlanta track that I have. Um, the No More Parties in Atlanta track is based on a true story. It actually happened as far as, like, one of my um, friend's little brothers got shot at a party. And um, that happened at that same time when I was working on the last um, album that I had. And so... That stuck with me, and it was something that I always wanted to kind of speak on. Also, going just further deeper with my um, my own vulnerability, but I just didn't think that it was time to actually drop that album because I didn't feel like I had the fan base to support the um, the topics and just the content that I had. Um, up until that point, I didn't really have like a super super strong following. So I used that first like album, Real Men Were Pink, to build up my following. I put out an EP called Sunroof Season that had more so of those like warm summer vibes to like kind of build up my audience. So when I felt like my audience was complete enough, I could drop something that had like more substance. I could just pray for it. And like you said, I think that it was like more so of an introduction to the lane that I wanted to go as an artist as far as spilling out vulnerability while also being able to couple it with like, you know, radio, radio friendly songs and just, like, songs that people could relate to on a day-to-day -day basis. 
true, true. And even like one of my favorite tracks on the album, which was like No More Parties in Atlanta, like I do kind of notice that there was like a Kanye like influence, like with the streetlight sample, as well as the whole concept of the Atlanta culture, like the ode to Atlanta, like the scene at a party where your friend was at, and the skit where like the shooting happened. And I would just wanted to like let you know if uh, it, the song kind of had like that same ode to like atlanta as well as like right. the inspiration to kanye yeah definitely like definitely um you know when we were making that song i didn't necessarily have like a song that i wanted to make i was just like i went to my producer me and my producer um known each other since the sixth grade so we're really tight We've, he's worked on every one of my projects he's produced and engineered all of my music so we know each other and we've been through the same experiences. So I was just telling him while we was creating that song, like I really want a song that just embody Atlanta as far as the like the bounciness of it. This is the song that I would hear if I went to Atlanta move, pretty much. And so um, we made it super quick, like literally made it like in like 15, 20 minutes or whatever, kind of like freestyled the hook or whatever. And it just came how it came. But definitely as far as Kanye goes, like Kanye has been always a huge inspiration to me personally as an artist because I like his ability to never um, conform or settle in just like one lane. Like once you think that you can box him into one thing, then he switches his whole sound and he's able to really reinvent himself every single album. And so he's always been one of my top like artists that I I draw inspiration from. Um, 808s and Heartbreaks was an album that um, really impacted me growing up. And so I felt like Just Pray For Me kind of embodied some elements of an 808 and heartbreak because it was more vulnerable and it was more open. So I wanted to kind of pay homage, like you said, by embodying like, you know, certain like elements that kind of gave me like, you know, inspiration growing up and also while making the album. So definitely Street Lights is my favorite song on 808 and Heartbreaks. And so, um, I kind of always had that melody in my head and I just was trying to find the right way to deliver it. And so I was glad I was able to kind of do it on this project. True. And knowing that you're like a big Kanye fan, like you notice like um, the good and the bad, like the co- from the college dropout to Jesus is King. You, you do tend to see like a change in Kanye's like background and personality and style and sound and music and like where he went from a man like wearing polos and like backpacks to single-handedly like reading the bible every day and like creating a gospel album and having like sunday service so in one of the questions uh to speak about kanye for a bit how would you define his status in the impact of black culture and in the culture of music as of today man i love it personally like i think that um you know a lot of people didn't really like jesus king but i loved it because of the fact that it wasn't for us, you know, it was for him. It was kind of like, you know, him, his testimony and him, like, expressing to a point where he could pretty much, like, get that out and and pretty much testify that, like, you know, he found Jesus. And so, um, me personally, like, I'm a PK, so, like, I'm a pastor kid or whatever, and so um, my dad was a youth pastor, so I always had, like, fundamental, like, um, you know, knowledge of the word, but it took me personally, like, finding, like, God and Jesus myself to really embody that. That's why you get things like, thank you, Jesus, I'm not worthy. Because while I was going through the path of life, like, I had to, I was broken down so much where 
all I had to turn to was Jesus. And so um, I, I have a personal connection, especially with Jesus is King, because it kind of came out around the same time that Just Pray For Me came out. And so, like, I felt it 10 times more because I also got baptized around the same time, too. So, like, I, I have a spiritual tie to that album specifically. But, again, like, I love his his journey as an artist and just coming from college dropout where he's trying to prove himself and, like, try and fight to get respect from Jay-Z and all these other people all the way to my favorite album from Kanye Graduation where he's at the top of the world and you can't tell him anything and the ego is starting to come in. And you have, like, you know, going towards, like, 808s and Heartbreaks, his vulnerability, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, where he's, like, embodying just art, you know, and then, you know, going from Jesus, where he's just, like, punk rock. Like, I just love the fact that he's able to always connect with his audience in a different way and just show that he's a person on, a, on, on his own journey. And, you know, his journey is not going to always look the same, and your journey should never look the same as an artist or as an individual, uh, regardless, you should always be growing. And I think that he's growing more and more um, as an artist and as a person. True. And uh, just to, like, think about it in a certain sense, I feel like like going back to, like, everything that's happened right now to our discussion with COVID-19, and since, like, the year has changed by... On like what we could do now, like, do you feel like the pande- the pandemic has affected like the way you tend to proceed like with your music and business? And if so, did you notice like any changes or tweaks that you had to ha- like handle like to handle your business in a pandemic like that? Well, to be honest, it came at the best time for me personally because I already put out the album. You know, I already like had the concert for it inside of my city at least. Um, the down part of it was I wasn't able to tour the album the way that I planned on doing it and do the visuals that I planned on doing it um, just because of the social distancing aspect of it. Um, but I do think it was a blessing in disguise, at least for me, because it was able to show me or it was able for me to like take a step back and be able to um, work on how to be creative enough to work through COVID or be creative enough to... Um, find different avenues to connect with my audience that didn't just necessarily have to do with music. Um, I think that a lot of people haven't discovered that yet or discovered that um, that avenue for themselves because you see a lot of people just trying to drop music to stay relevant, drop music to stay relevant, but we're all in the same setting as far as our rooms or in um, you know just our settings. We're not able to like move the way that we used to. Um, so music isn't sticking as it used to um 10 months from um 10 months ago a year ago you know two years ago so i think that covid is kind of showing that you have to be more visual like you have to be more um interesting and it's more than just the music right now like as artists we should be able to make music at, at a drop of a dime so that shouldn't be the hard part but the hard part is finding different avenues and ways to connect to your audience so it doesn't get played out um, and you're always trying to reinvent and be creative. And so I think that COVID is kind of creating creativity a little bit more. Um, you see things like Quarantine Radio with Tory Lanez and how he was able to embody that. We have verses now where artists are going head to head and just showcasing their music. And so they're, they're using live. We start doing um, live concerts on IGTV or whatever. So now I think it's just time to find different ways to 
showcase ourselves um, and not just music. I know what you mean, man. And I feel like nowadays, too, like, there's other rappers and other people in the, in the industry that are doing, like, different ways now. Like, some people, like, with... It's actually funny because, like, there's, like, rappers like Casanova and other rappers doing OnlyFans accounts and, like, other people doing, like, you know, freestyles, like, with Guap Dad 4000, with Rona Raps, to people doing, like, interviews, uh, like, in their own homes. So it's kind of interesting as well. So in terms of other musicians and rappers in the industry, do you feel like the pandemic has affected the way, like, these artists, like, handle their business as well, like, in terms of show money and, like, other stuff as well? Definitely. Um, And it's something that I'm curious to see play out because, you know, we see these artists that literally live off of the road and they splurge their money um, in a way where um, they're always preparing for the next check because it's going to come off of tour money or show money. And so I'm very curious to see how like a NBA young boy or the baby or um, or um, all of these younger artists specifically pivot um, because of the fact that they can't use the money that they usually get from like festivals and tours to um, to finance their lifestyle. And so I do think that it has made a change or shifted that aspect. You don't see them as loud about their music as they used to be. Or about their money, at least. I'm sorry. No, I know what you mean. Um, I know that we only have like two questions left, and I feel like this is something that is an influence to everybody. But like, what artists or genres were you mainly like influenced by? And in the in the future, would you ever collaborate with certain artists and experiment with like certain genres, uh, like by any chance? Yeah, definitely. So, um, on a hip hop level. J. Cole is my favorite rapper. Um, I literally was just talking about this before I got on this interview, but J. Cole really has shaped the way that I view music, the way that I um, view life, um, and just my actual like, morals as an individual. Um, I discovered him when like he dropped the warm-up, so I was like in middle school, and I kind of grew up with J. Cole. He was kind of like a distant cousin to me um, in the type of way, so... All of my storytelling aspects from my most popular songs, like a, a Salsa With Your Mama that you will find later, or to like a No More Parties, or even just the flow of Just Pray For Me, is directly influenced by J. Cole's storytelling ability. And so, um, of course, him. I love Andre 2000. Andre is um, one of my spirit animals when it comes to just being bold and being artistic. Um, he never allows himself to be boxed in either Kanye of course like we talked about and just his impact on my life and then as far as other artists like I love Aaliyah I'm a huge Aaliyah fan and so her melody and just how Timberland, Genuine and Missy Elliott were able to kind of like scope her sound it really just showed me um you know elements that I would want to embody in my own personal music I'm a huge Beyonce fan I love her work ethic I love how like she's able to be melodic and and um, powerful in the same breath. Um, her showmanship. Um, old wise, I love like you know, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Stevie Wonder is some of my favorite artists of all times. Um, I'm a huge Nirvana fan as far as Kurt Cobain and just like his his punkness and and how he skated on things like Smell Like Teen Spirit. Um, and then, you know, even gospel influence, like Kurt Franklin and how his, like, penmanship 
um, where he's able to move you uh, spiritually just off of words. Like I study that um, heavy. And so I kind of find influence all around. Like I love to just find new artists or just um, re-listen to artists that I grew up on and, and um, be influenced by them. And I know that like we'd have to end this interview soon. So I know like with COVID, like it has impacted your plans right now, but uh, do you have like any other plans for the year in terms of new music coming by or other creative projects and so forth? And are there like any final words that you would like to say for any creative or any person pursuing their dreams? Yeah, so um, definitely this year I wanted to kind of take, I took a step back just to like reevaluate things and and myself, I did a lot of self-reflecting. And so now I, I don't want to do music the same way. Like I don't want to just drop a single and be like, hey, listen to this single on all DSPs or, um, you know, in the same type of fashion. So trying to get more visual, that was another goal of mine um, for the year, just to drop more music videos or just visuals, period. Um, so I'm going to continue to do that. Uh, and with these new, like, unreleased songs that I have, I'm going to just create visuals around them where my Instagram is going to indirectly become just a journal where you'll hear, like, unreleased music and then see visuals. So that's why I'm pivoting on, at least for this um, year, I'm working on the follow-up album too. Just pray for me. Um, it's going to be entitled Ellenwood, and so it's kind of a homage to my hometown or whatever. And so, working on that to be prepared for next year. And um, as far as advice for just creatives and artists is always trust your gut, always trust your intentions, and be okay with failing. Uh, I'm somebody who I value independence. I think that. We as artists um, have the ability to write our own story and we don't need these machines and these different people to pretty much tell us or direct us where to go. Um, I think that nobody can create your story like you can. So be able to write that story and, and write goals that you set out to achieve. And if you fail, learn from them. It's, that's what life is about. You're supposed to always learn from mistakes and continue moving forward and stuff, but never stop trying, never stop um, creating, and never stop trusting your own vision because you're the only one that can know your vision. Everybody else can't see what you see. And so um, I know that's a mad cliche as far as uh, <laughs> when it comes to just like artists like speaking, but it's the truth. And I believe that you know when people really trust God, God will expose you to your purpose and your path, and he'll order your steps. And so continue to seek God, and, and the rest will follow you.